Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, December the 31st in 2020 on When I Rise, New Year's Eve. Hope that you have some plans for tonight to be around family, friends, to watch the ball drop or play board games or whatever you tend to do at this time of year. So I hope that you have a great New Year's Eve. Uh, we are still in year B and the second Sunday of Christmas here in the Revised Common Lectionary. And on Thursdays, we'd like to look at the New Testament letter passage for the week. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. So I'm going to read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection. Then we'll spend our time praying along this theme. So thanks for making this party morning. I want to rise. Let's let our souls arise and be God together in a time of prayer. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who were in God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God for us. So at the time of this recording, my wife Ginger and I, we watched the first couple of episodes of Community last night on Hulu. I know that we're totally late to the party so many people have watched that show. It's so old, but one of my coworkers recommended it, and so we decided to give it a try. And if if you're familiar with that show, they really do play upon the stereotypes of community college. Uh, it's a lack of organization, uh, maybe not so proven teachers and staff, but also the types of students that people assume go to community colleges, an array of different ones from those fresh out of high school who need to maybe make some better grades for transcripts in order to get into the state school of their choice, or those who are returning to school and the different demographics of who they might be and so on and so forth. They obviously embellish the profiles of teachers and on and on. And so What's so neat about the show is that uh, even though there's quite a wide array of people that are associated with this community college, they find a way to get along with one another and therefore they create a legit community. I mean, a community is something where everyone knows at some level they are being both counted on and they can count on others in order to be a part of the community. If one of those sides of the commitment is broken, then the community begins to unravel. Why do I say that? It's because, once again, Paul's great ministry vision, theological vision, 
that he has in all the New Testament letters that he writes is a great unity among the people of God. And the book of Ephesians is no different. Ephesians can be cut in two. We've talked about this before. The first three chapters are the chapters of Paul's theological argument of how Jews and non-Jews can form a community. And then chapters four through six, the back half of the book, are dedicated towards the practical things that they need to do in order to maintain that unity. What you need to notice anytime that you read Paul's letters is you got to notice and follow the pronouns. He'll say you at times, which is usually second person plural, which means y'all. Okay. I mean, Southerners should have translated the Bible. So we can not singular you, but plural y'all, all y'all. And he says you, and he says us, and he says we. And so you have to try to ascertain and it seems tedious, but it's important because I think just like any message that you would send to somebody else, you would want them, you know, an audience to take the time to try to figure out what you meant by you and we and us and they. I mean, the same thing's happening in a New Testament letter. You'll notice that in our passage today that the overwhelming majority of the pronouns in this passage is us, okay, and we. But then there is a marked change. If you look at verse 13, it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. Okay, so he he goes from we and us to you and your. Okay, that is a pronoun difference. Two different audiences that Paul is addressing. So what does this all mean? Well, Paul is a Jew. He's a first century second temple Jew. That's just some really clunky language to say that. He comes from an era. He comes from a theological story, a faith story of being a Jewish person. And he never ceased to have that identity, even though he started to go on Christian mission, making known the message of Jesus. So that is the we. Paul is speaking from the we of his identity as a Jewish person. And when he says you, we have to assume then he is speaking to non-Jews, people who are not like him. And if the church in Ephesus, where this letter is written to, which is located in Asia Minor, the makeup of that church, because the makeup of that town is a non-Jewish origin, they have a different faith story. They have a different identity than Paul's own identity. But he's saying, in Christ, we can dwell together. So what does all this mean? I'm sorry that we had to plunge through all that again. I just want to say, what this means is, is that the governing task of the church is to be committed to covenant, committed to a rugged relationship with one another, a people of difference. As a matter of fact, Scott McKnight, uh, he's got a great book on the unity of church, uh, unity of the church he calls a fellowship of difference. He's like this great image. He's like, imagine ordering a salad but the salad is all in segments. So you have like your lettuce on one part of the bowl and then it's sanctioned off from the tomatoes, it's sanctioned off from like the carrot straws, right? Sanctioned off from the blue cheese and it's all not touching one another. You think there's something wrong with this salad, right? It needs to be all thrown together. Well, in the same way, the church is not meant to be segmented like that ridiculous salad, but it's meant to be thrown together. So imagine what you and I can do to help with the vision of the church being all mixed together in order to bring out all the flavors of what it means to be the body of Christ. Now that's something that we can pray about this morning. So let's spend some time praying along that theme this morning.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you that you've included us into your family. I thank you that we receive all the blessings of Christ, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, peace with God. It all comes as a free gift of grace that you give to us. And we also understand that the Christian life is a challenging life. Uh, We do experience the bliss of being in the life of God, but we also know that it comes with a renewed mind a different set of values, a reorganization of our loves to be in a different order so that we can love you and others more. And so God, we confess to you that we struggle with the challenges of the Christian faith. Probably the central one is getting along with one another. We look at the body of Christ today and it's separated. It is not seeing eye to eye. It is at war with one another. And you warn us that a house divided against itself will not stand. And so God, we pray for your church today. We recognize that you love the church. And so God, may your love for your church fill our hearts so that we can love the church the way that you love the church. God, help us to have minds that understand and for hearts that are patient and for hearts that are quick to forgive. Um, God, being in community is tough and it, it comes at a cost. But God, I pray that we would each weigh the cost in our own life And that we would not look back and change our minds, but that we would continue forward even through the challenging moments. And so God, help us to forgive, help us to be people of peace, help us to be long-suffering with one another so that we would adorn the gospel with the way that we love one another as the church. So God be with us and help us in this regard. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.